Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Greetings from the Red Planet. Dude, they sucked. There was so much dirt in the air this evening. I I took the risk of looking directly at the sun. Oh, I did too. Somebody was like, stop doing that. You're so stupid. I was like, but you can see the sun. Yeah, but it's fine. I mean, my eyes are fine. I can still see. I did something really nerdy. When I got out, we were running around to pick up dinner tonight. It was late enough. I got out. I was like, you can just see the sun. I was like, and I said, it's like, it's like we're on Tatooine. She's like, what did you just say? I was like, don't worry about it. I, I'm not coming back from that one. We're good. So, Well, it would have been great if she would have corrected you. Well, actually, there would be two suns if you were on Tatooine. Yeah. yeah. She, she didn't. Is that even right? Is it two or is it three? I, I think it's two. I, I think it's two. It's definitely multiple suns. Yeah. Sun's plural. So, anyways, we're uh, mm-hmm. excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> excited to uh, have a full complement of coaches now at the Texas Tech Athletic Department. We'll get into all that as Grant McCaslin was officially announced as the 19th head, men, head men's basketball coach. Uh, I guess the, the introductory event was Monday. He was um, officially, unofficially announced on Friday. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about baseball and how uh, – I don't even know, man. I, this baseball team drives me up a wall. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But they had a weekend series. They won the series. Uh, and I have very strongly mixed feelings on how this weekend went. Um Give it a, a little bit of a preview about this upcoming matchup this weekend. Tonight's game has actually been canceled because of the weather. Uh, and then we got a weekend series Thursday, Friday, Saturday versus the North Dakota State Bison. So there's not like a super in-depth, intriguing preview I'll give you, but uh, it's going to be a slaughterhouse at Denmark <laughs> Field. Uh, and then you're back. You're on the road actually on Sunday. You travel Sunday to play Monday, Tuesday in California, Palo Alto, take on the Cardinal. And then next That's going to be a tough series. Oh, yeah, for sure. Next weekend at Oklahoma. Um, then we'll do basketball. We'll, we'll give the introduction, uh, what we can, to Grant McGasland, McCasland, however you want to, uh, to refer to Coach Gas, Coach McCasland, whatever, whatever you want to say. Well, we're GMAC. 
or welcome. Someone called him GMAC, and I, now I'm, it's just stuck in my head. I, I've seen people refer to him with just his initials and just call him GM. And I, I, I obviously my, my first thought is like general manager. I was like, what are you, what are we talking about? What, what? Uh, oh, new, new coach. <laughs> I'm, I'm really slow when, when they start referring to coaches by just their initials. Cause like JM took me a while to, to, to get that one. Uh, it, it just MA. There's just too many things that could also be those other letters. Anyways. At JM for some reason I was like James Morgan. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. what? Virgil's uh, brother from Tombstone. Speaking of uh, JM, we're going to have a little bit of a football update and then get to what do we learn. We're going to jump into uh, letting everybody know today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Sports Drink, the newly fo- formed internet community. You want to check them out, go online at sportsdrink.org or on Instagram. Uh, spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. We are also proud members of the Staking the Plains content network joining forces with obviously Sacred Plains, but with the, the Gauchos, Gamblin, Gauchos, Rob, Kyle, and oh, why do we always blank on Mainville? Right? Mainville. Ryan Mainville. Ryan. Rob, Kyle, Ryan. Rob, Kyle, Ryan. Jeez. Uh, Sibby and see, I did this last week too. Shelby. Shelby. Sibby. Shelby of Seeing Scarlet and Keith and David of Dinger Derby. So go check all those fine productions out online at Staying the Plains and RedRaiderDugout.com and wherever you find your podcasts. So with that, Michael, let's uh let's jump into let's jump into baseball first. Do it. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. Looking for a second home run. And he's got it. Into his own bullpen. Reps and some time because all the tools are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren. And into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven. Still not packing for Omaha, Michael, but you were winners over the weekend. Two games to one over the TCU Horn Frogs, getting you to four and five in Big 12 play, 29 overall. You are unfortunately seventh in the Big 12 standings currently. Um, chasing teams like Kansas and Kansas State. Yeah. Um, now, granted, West Virginia is ahead of you by win percentage alone. They've only played three games. Uh, they are the last team uh, to have only played three. Everybody else has played nine. No, Kansas has played six. Oklahoma's played six. And then a handful. Everybody else has played nine. So Oklahoma State sitting atop at six and three. 
Uh, then you got two and one West Virginia, Texas at four and two. They finally lost some games this weekend versus the Cowboys. Uh, Kansas State five and four so far. TCU five and four. Kansas three and three. Texas Tech four and five. Oklahoma two and four, and woeful Baylor two and seven. They are at ten and nineteen on the season. Woof. Overall record, you have the second most wins. I guess third. Third. Uh, Oklahoma State's got 22 wins. West Virginia and Texas both have 21, and then you have 20. But those conference wins. Now, we talked about how front-loaded the conference schedule's been, and it's been a frustrating start to conference play uh, with how everything went down when getting getting swept by, by Texas last weekend, sorry, two weekends ago. Um, and just how the games played out this weekend. Michael, you were there, so I'll be, I'll be really interested to hear what your thoughts on it, but just overall initial impressions from the games this weekend. Grateful that you won. That's top of the, of the uh, objectives on the weekend, right? You win, win the series at least. Yeah. It just felt like you, you struggled mightily to do it um, against a team that you felt like you shouldn't have had to struggle. Not that TCU's bad. Um, it just, there were things that happened that you had just felt like that shouldn't have happened. If I'm saying right. that right, like I, 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 there are too many different things, whether it's errors or just your, your starting pitching that's been really good, but then it wasn't, uh, your bullpen was good on some days and bad on others. Um, your offense, I mean, it's hard to complain when you put up uh, 37 runs in three games. Um, but you gave up 31. Like it was a close series. <laughs> Essentially, like, well, anyways. So where, where, where do you want to start, Michael? You, you, you just go game by game or you just want to go with like overall impressions on the weekend and specifically the games that you were there for? Well, maybe overall because the only game I got to go to was game two. So the 23 personnel luck, spring luck continues this year. Uh, the only one I attended was the one tech lost. Um, but, but yeah, it basically, I just kind of want to touch on the starting pitching. Um, first batter, third pitch, I think second or third pitch home run third batter home run. I mean, you know, and this is Mason Molina on the mound, usually pretty reliable, but, all of these guys have just all of a sudden started struggling. Uh, you know, just in Big 12 play, Molina has an ERA of 7.36. Brennan Gurton has 7.43. Yeah. Trenton Parrish is 8. Tabor Fast is 6.5. I mean, and these are guys who have all pitched 8-plus innings. Uh, you know, Ryan Freeze doing pretty good at 3.4. So as a staff, and this includes like Cade McGar's really random 99 ERA. <laughs> but as a staff, this this pitching, um, you know, this group of pitchers has a seven ERA in conference play. It's going to be tough to win if you're giving up seven runs every single time you step out there. So I, I, I really just don't, I don't know baseball enough to understand what's happening, what is changing. Obviously, like you said, the schedule's front-loaded. These are conference teams. This is just a different environment versus the previous. Uh, you know, if you factor in the entire season, you know, that seven ERA drops to 
let me see where I'm at. That, let me click the button. Drops to 4.7, so still not great, but it's obvious that, you know, conference play is really uh, taking these guys to task. So I, I'm not sure where to go from there. I, I think another interesting thing on that day, well, one, Harrelson's been awesome. He was he was good that day. He was good All on weekend. Sunday as well. Yeah, and, you know, I think if you haven't already mentioned it, he's the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week, rightfully so. Yeah, Gage um, Barrelson. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Dude's had a bat going. Um, I know, man. And he's he doesn't look <laughs> not to be... He just doesn't look like a guy who's going to get a get a standing double or triple when when he walks up to the plate. But man, he does, and he's quick too. Yeah, I think that helps him. That helps him as as well as how well he can swing the bat in conference play. Harrelson's batting three hundred two from your second spot, uh, OPS of seven fifty two. Uh, he started all nine conference games, forty three at bats, so he's leading the team in at bats, um, which is interesting because. Uh, Nolan Hester, whose leadoff only has 34 at bats. So the guy second in the lineup behind him is actually has more at bats than Hester does. And they both have nine games. Gavin Cash has 42 at bats uh, in those same nine games. But Harrelson, of those 43 at bats, like I said, 302 average, scored seven runs, 13 hits, three doubles, one triple, uh, nine RBI, RBI uh, slugging a 419. Um, walked twice, is really high on strikeouts uh, at 11. It's the highest of all those guys outside of Gavin Cash, who's at 10. Um, and his OPS, sorry, is, is, uh, on base, 333. So not walking a ton. Um, but he's got the power, man, like as, as a second guy. Yeah. Like you said, he do- doesn't look like it. But this weekend, for sure, Big 12 Newcomer of the Week uh, certainly helped you in these games. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about this in the, in the discord a little bit. Like there's just so many things that are, are frustrating about this team. And we talked about like, is it pitching? Cause you started off like you're talking about the, the way the Saturday game started. It was, uh, yeah. Three pitches in a home run and then another home run, you know, a little bit later the, the next batter, um, by Molina. And then, you know, you, you're given the ERAs for, for the, these pitchers and, and conference play. They ballooned, um, I, sorry, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, like, it's just been, like, just this weird smattering of, of of some things that you've seen a lot of this season, like, well, that, like the the defense, the the fielding percentage is just atrocious. Um, you're, you're last in the Big 12, 251st in the country, actually, in, in, in your fielding percentage. Um but like it was your, your your pitching sometimes. It's like like the guys that you you've had like haven't been on 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 point. And I, I think I, I'm now remember what I was talking about. Like coming into the season, Tim Tadlock was so so bullish on like, hey, we've got six starting p- pitchers. We've got uh, Molina, we've got Gurton, we've got Kyle Robinson, we've got Tabor Fast, um, Bo Blessy, um, and I'm missing somebody. Anyways, but like now it feels like you're down to two starters essentially with Gurton and Molina, and even they have been a little shaky lately. So it's like the guys that you thought you could count on, like even then they have shown some some rocky instability. Mm, yeah, your offense yeah, I, 
has been really good at games, and then and just like will just vanish sometimes. And you're just like, oh. like you've got a really good offense, like everybody up and down the lineup, outside of your DH position, which should be the 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 leader in your in your order essentially, uh, in in hitting. It's just like like they're they're so good, but then there are times they just absolutely just disappear. So like it's it's not like you can point to like one thing like well if we just had more depth in the bullpen or if we just had a bona fide power hitter, if we just had a contact guy just to get guys on and move all, you know, and move them over. It's just like, we could just stop the errors, which is one, obviously we want to do that. But it's like, there's not, nothing, no one thing you can point to. Like that's the problem with this team. So I think that, that yeah, I, for me is, is what's so frustrating. I, I, I hate to keep giving that long break and then jumping in it right as you start, Michael. So what were you going to say? You're good. <laughs> You're good. No, no, no. I, I'm with you on that. It's, it's accumulation of things um, that that make it frustrating when the hitting's. It, it just kind of feels like last year a little bit. Uh, it, it's turning into that, and, and maybe we're kind of talking ourselves down a little bit because we are on the, you know, the heavier part of the schedule, and we might, you know, Tech might correct a little bit after this North Dakota State series, and you know, going to California as. As important as that series is, it does not. It's not going to affect your Big Twelve standing necessarily, um, unless it has to go to some sort of overall win tiebreaker or whatever. But I, I think there's some palate cleansers ahead, and and hopefully there's some, uh, you know, some room for these guys to to gel a little bit more and be able to you know, get back on the mound and, and focus on what they do well. You know, Molina, he allowed eight runs. Uh, he, he only pitched four and a third innings and threw 90 pitches. That's not, that's not like him. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just mm-hmm. not who we've, we've expected to see. Uh, uh, baseball is one of those things that's just kind of, you can get in a rut or there can be, uh, you know, just some, some bad, vibes or some bad uh luck or just just different things can set things off and, and just have it go down a path that is really hard to correct and you can't pinpoint it um we're having trouble pinpointing any single issue right now too i mean uh, another thing i'd like to bring up and i was trying to find a stat and i can't find it to back me up but i feel like this team uh people st- Still, I mean, you know, okay, take this with a grain of salt because TCU is one of the higher uh, base dealers in the country. I think they're 21st in the country right now, a little over two bases per game. Uh, But, man, I I feel like this Tech team, it's kind of been a thing for the last few years. A team that comes in that steals bases well, like K-State or West Virginia, they're Mm -hmm. just, they're going to do it. They know they can. Even teams that don't do it that well, they're going to take a stab at it because Tech won't be able to uh, to get it to second in time or they won't be able to get it to third in time. I know that they did a couple of double steals. Rob was pointing it out at the game. It, they did it at least once or twice on Saturday where you had you know, first and second go to second and third. Yep. And then I think I think at least one or two of those base runner scored. So I, that's another, just another thing to focus on, which is, Hey, it sounds like it's all doom and gloom here, but, uh, there's, there's a lot to see. And even in a series win like this to, to not like, 
you know, the fact that Tech had to rally down 16 to 10. Yeah. To, to you know, they rallied from eight to three or, you know, all, all those crazy scores that they had to come back from on Friday. It's it's almost a miracle that they did it. Uh, they They put themselves in position on Saturday. I mean, it was going into the bottom of the ninth, down three, uh, cash was, I think, fourth up. I mean, you, you felt like he had a shot. Really couldn't get anything on that. I think there, you know, uh, there was a guy on second base when the game was over. That was pretty much it. And then, you know, Saturday kind of had to, or Sunday had to kind of go into heroics a little bit too to to keep that going. But I, I think the the one positive I will take is it seems like the, the hitting is, has gotten more consistent you know the fact that these guys are able to score this many runs against this type of competition that is i think a positive note that i can take from but man it just it just really feels eerily similar to last year except last year it was almost a guaranteed loss every sunday yeah you you had a good really good rotation friday saturday and you're like we just need to find something on, on sunday um, but there was just like, there was always something there. I, 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 I feel similar, but I, ex- except for the fact that like, you just can't point to any, any one thing. It, it feels like, um, yep. you, you were pointing out the runs. I mean, you scored you so far this year, 285 runs on the season. You're, uh, what did I say? That's fourth in the country and runs scored. Um, and in conference play, it's been like, you've needed every single one of those because you're winning close games. Um, you talked about, so Friday night, you win this game 20 to six, you get down eight zero by the end of the second, you put two up, uh, TCU scored. The, the thing about TCU this weekend, there were very few innings where you held them to no runs. Like mm-hmm. on, on Friday, they yeah. scored two, six, one, 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 four. And then they, they went scoreless in eight and nine when Beckel came in. Um, where he just absolutely shut them down. And we'll talk about Beckel and 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 just his his uh return because his performance Friday night absolutely nails. Um you scored two in the third, sorry, two in the second, three in the third, one in the fifth, four in the sixth, and you exploded in the seventh for nine. You batted around almost twice, almost all the way around twice. Um, and then one more in the eighth, not that you needed it, but a little insurance run because three runs in that game, that win was howling out. Um, but uh, you need every, every single one of those runs. And, and like, like you were saying, like you had to come back, you had to come back from being down eight. Um, and that's, that's been kind of a, a theme, whether it's been in conference player just recently, you've had, you've given up so many early runs. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Uh, in terms of like when uh, Texas Tech has surrendered runs, when um, I could probably find that really quickly if I was on a, a good page to do that, but it just it's felt like you've had to play from behind so much, mm-hmm. uh, and your offense is is capable of doing it. It's just like you hate to live that way. Like that just well, yeah, you can tell that. I mean, why wouldn't they? When when guys go up and you're down eight, they are absolutely swinging for the moon. That you'll you'll see some of them do it. You'll see some of them kind of catch themselves and go, "Okay, come on, just get on base." You almost you almost see a collective 
Uh, okay, so you swung and completely whiffed on it. Let's let's just try to get on base. Um, but but yeah, you, you kind of see that with these guys, and they they put that extra pressure on themselves to to try to you know, you know knock it out of the park when really they they've just got to get on the bag and and get moving and you know maybe still one here and there you know just just something just start working it because that's I mean that's uh, as much as um, you know TCU probably left a bad taste in everyone's mouth this weekend just because of you know a couple of their players antics a couple of their coaches antics uh, they they could small ball you to death and you know I'd like to see Tech commit to that a little bit more I, I don't I'm not saying they can't or they that they're above it or they're you know anything like that but you know I think at some point um you know when you're struggling to get runs across the plate you've got to just get guys around the bases mm-hmm. and be maybe a little maybe be more aggressive on on steals and be a little bit more aggressive on on that sort of um you know that part of the game yeah, and then defensively, uh, you, you were talking about just a minute ago. Just I don't know if it's like a, like I don't have the analytics in front of me. I don't know if it's a, a timing thing. Our, our pitchers just aren't very good at holding runners. Um, if yeah. they're just they're, they're just deliberate and slow enough that like they've got a pretty good like the teams have a pretty good scouting report and, and a read on them. Like this is when like like he starts moving this way, you're you're good to go. Um, if we just don't have the the guy behind the plate to throw him out, whether it's White or uh, Maxi or whoever is back there at the time, because um, it's just it just seems like so many teams have been really really successful against you uh, being able to steal. Um, of course, I, I I can't find the by inning runs, and I and, and I don't I don't have the great place to look for it just yet. But yeah, I just uh, anecdotally, you just played from behind for so for so much this season. Um, on Friday, you, you're able to come back, like I said, with that big uh, seventh inning, put up nine runs. Um, Saturday, the page is frozen. Thank you. But um, that's fantastic. What page do you have? I'm trying to pull up the box score from Saturday. Oh, okay. And now Google's not even working. Hey, at least we're still recording, right? I think that's still working. Well, the board's recording, and I can still okay, hear you. So yeah, and I can I can hear and see you. It's wonderful. All right, here we go. Yeah, okay. Saturday, you gave up two in the first, uh, two more in the third. So before you got on the board, you were down four zero. Uh, you responded with three in the third, so you cut it back to one run, and then TC responds uh, with one in the fourth, then three more in the fifth, and then one in the sixth. So you went from a three two game to a nine to three game. Um, then you scored yeah. three in the sixth and one more in the seventh. Uh, but then they, they came back and scored one in the eighth. Sunday, um, they scored three in the first. Yeah. You, then you you rattled off uh, six unanswered to go up six to three. Then they responded one in the fifth, one in the sixth to get to five. Uh, and then in the sixth, you, you you came back for two more. And then you scored two more in the eighth or some insurance runs to put it away. Um, we, I was going to talk about Beckel on Friday night really quickly because um, he, he came back from his suspension um, and 
he came in. Let me see. Let me see when he came in. Uh, he came in the eighth. Yeah. yeah he, he took over for Ethan Coombs. Uh, he got a, um, his first batter. Got him to pop out, pop up to the right fielder. Uh, then he gave up a double, and then he finished the frame by back to back strikeouts. Richardson and Taylor both struck out. And then in the ninth, he came out and struck out the side. He went three up, three down, all three strikeouts. So he finished the game five straight strikeouts. Um, and then you saw his uh, his emotion. <laughs> he was finally able to kind of like to enjoy it and, and let, let it out a little bit after the game was over. Because uh, obviously that's what he what got, got him in trouble against mm-hmm. Oklahoma State when uh, Holiday decided he wanted to complain a little bit. Um so he came in and absolutely shut the door and on a team that had been scoring like a bunch of runs, obviously when they put up 16 runs, um, you need somebody that just can, can just hold it. Uh, Friday night, Beckel was able to do that, especially with that win. Like I said, it was blowing out. Both teams were able to, to take advantage of it. And then he came back uh, and pitched again on Sunday. Uh, he didn't, um, he didn't throw enough pitches on Friday to keep him out. Let's see. When did he come in? He came in in the eighth. Again, he relieved uh, Ryan free. Um, first batter he faced, he walked him, then he struck out the, the his next batter green. Uh, then he got a fly out and a ground out to finish the eighth. And then in the ninth, he had a strikeout, a strikeout, a single, and a ground out. Um, so he shut the door there. Again, you were up by five, but you just you, you couldn't let, let, let TCU hang around to try to, to, to get back into this. Sunday was a weird game, man, because as it was happening and, and, and TC was losing players and coaches, like they were just dropping like flies to ejections. Yeah. And you know, one of them got sick as he was about to go up to bat. Um, it's just like, it just felt like a game like you, you just can't lose this game. Like they've lost too many pieces. You can't lose this game. Um, and, and, and it felt like there was just enough pressure. You just, you just didn't feel comfortable. Even with a five run lead, it felt like, oh, we just can't can't open the door <laughs> right. here or leave the door open. But Beckel, of course, came in and slammed that door. Beckel, oh my gosh, he his return, he's, he's been so good. Obviously, like I said, he, he came in on Friday and Sunday, both were, both of those. They're not they're not technically save opportunities because you, you were up by enough runs that they're, they're not saves. Holds, maybe. Um, but you needed his, his performance there, and it was absolutely great to see, especially after missing him uh, against the Longhorns. Um, the previous weekend. Beckel is your only pitcher with a zero ERA in, in conference play, by the way. Yeah, that's pretty salty. Yeah, pretty, pretty salty. Um, we mentioned it. Your your midweek game versus Abilene Christian tonight was dropped because of the wind, super windy. It'll be windy until uh, about mid-afternoon tomorrow, and then beautiful spring weather, and not like in the, uh, <laughs> the windy spring weather. Uh, but... Great, great weather t- turning out for this weekend. Um, what do you think they'll do with that? Do you think they'll, because they're scheduled to go to Abilene in a couple of weeks, they're going to make a return trip for a midweek game. Um, do I you think doubt they, would they turn make, that to a double header or something, or I, if they just or what? I doubt they make this game up, uh, and 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 not that I think Texas Tech is in the business of dodging teams to to boost their RPI, but it doesn't. It just doesn't seem like it's something they would do um, to to play that game 
you know, like a double header because you're, you're going to be full on, on midweeks uh, yeah. from, from here on out. Um, you don't have any open weekends. Um, so I, I, I just, I have a, I have a, I just doubt they're going to, they're going to effort too much to make up a single game against Abilene Christian. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I think the only, I mean, the only difference maker there is, is tech misses out on a home game. Uh, but you know, if, if they agreed upon a home and home kind of series and, you know, weather prevented one of them and it's just, that just may be that. So I, yeah, I, I, I just found it interesting that they said postponed as opposed to canceled. I, I, maybe they have something in mind of trying to do some sort of double header thing, but I mean, yeah, you're I mean, only for, two hours away. I feel like you mm-hmm. could kind of throw something together last minute if you wanted. Yeah. I, I I think there definitely is the possibility that they could be like, Hey, like if you're up for it, let's just, let's start the first game a little earlier and then we'll just play two at your place. Uh, so it really only hurts Texas tech that they like on this home and home, they lost Texas tech loses their home side of it. Um, on a season where you've got more home games than, than you've had in a few years. Like I said, it's like, it's great to schedule this many, but it's okay to lose one off the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like to your point, yeah, that they came out and said postponed and not canceled. Um, I mean, maybe they no because they they play Thursday. Like maybe they push it back to Wednesday night, <laughs> but no, they they're playing on Thursday. I, I doubt they'd go four, four games in a row, then have Sunday off, and then play again Monday Tuesday. Um, so yeah, they're not going to push the game back to tomorrow. But um, after that, you've got North Dakota State this weekend, Thursday through Saturday series. Uh, very SEC feel here since the SEC plays Thursday through Saturday, um, which is interesting because when we talk about the the conference expansion, uh, which is how, how what a big deal it would have been. Like, well, if you're going to add BYU, you're going to have to play Thursday through Saturday uh, series. Like, it was like a big deal. Um, I was like, well, that's that's actually common in other conferences to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and and interesting. I I, I turned on uh, the LSU Tennessee game on Friday and they were playing at like one o'clock, which was like, Oh really? Like, yeah, like, like a top five conference matchup Friday, they started at one o'clock and I don't, I don't, I don't have any idea if there's weather or something that was like, Hey, we, we should move this game up so we can play it. Um, but like two top five teams playing and <laughs> on a Friday, their mid afternoon start. Uh, so I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, the, Thursday through Saturday uh, series kind of overblown, but you'll get one this weekend, North Dakota state. Um, I found it interesting, Michael. So they are seven and 20 on the year. They have not played a home game yet. May what? have, may have to do with the, the, the fact that they play North Dakota. Uh, and you know, it's just now April. Um, but they are six and 18 away from home, one and two in a neutral site. And they are four and two in conference play. Um, They've got a couple of guys that are batting above 300. They've got, yeah, Peter Brookshaw, Terrell Huggins uh, are at just over 300. You got one just under at 299. Um, Caden Schwab, Schwabby. Uh, and all three of those guys have played uh, the majority of their games. So uh, P- Peter Brookshaw and then Caden Schwab have played in all 27 of their games. And Terrell Huggins has played in 24. So it's not like these guys that has a inflated you know, average, he's only played half their games. 
Um, they are not a great offensive team. They have, uh, let me see, where's that? They scored 156 runs on the season. Texas Tech has scored 285. They've given up 193, so obviously you're going to be negative there when you're 7-20. and 20. Uh, They carry a team batting average of 258. Their pitchers are allowing teams to hit almost 300 against them, which is crazy. Um, their schedule, uh, let, me, let me go back and look at it real quick. Um, actually, just give me one second to pull it up. I don't. I couldn't tell you if they've played anybody big uh, just yet. I, I doubt it since it's North Dakota State. Um, okay, so their schedule this year has included Sacramento State. They had four games against them. Uh, Hawaii, San Diego State, UC San Diego, um, Arizona State for one. Then they played a three-game series versus Arizona, uh, three against Texas State, two against Texas, three against Houston Christian, three at Omaha, uh, one at Nebraska, and then they just wrapped up a an actual uh, series win over South Dakota State. So little Dakota on Dakota violence there. North Dakota comes out on top on that. But, yeah, so the um, they don't have great uh, schedule or you know opposition here. They played, like I said, Texas twice. They lost both of those games. Uh, Texas State, they lost a game 18-19 to 19 <laughs> back on March Ooh. 11th, which is rough. Uh, they had uh, they got walked off at Arizona 7-6. to six. They lost the first game 6-8. to eight. Uh, They had a run rule game on Sunday. Uh, they lost a one-run game at Arizona State. But other than that, I mean, they lost 13-1 to one to Hawaii. Uh, they lost 3-4 or four to Sacramento State. They're just, like I said, not a great team, so... Uh, one of your last chances they'd have some extended success, uh, get right, uh, palate cleanser, whatever you want to call it, to kind of have a it's not a break because you're still playing games, you're still playing meaningful games, you need to win these games. Um, but it's not conference play, so you, you've got that to, to look forward to this weekend. Uh, I, I didn't want to touch on some, some national season statistics really quickly, Michael, before we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked about the defense. Um, being you're, so you're third in the country and double plays turned, which is kind of a backhanded compliment that like to have a double play turn, you have to have guys on base. Right. But yeah. Texas deck has been really good at erasing one of those runners because they're like I said, third and 32 double plays turned. excuse me, uh, fourth and runs scored. So like I said, off- offensively, you've been really good. You're still first in the country and sacrifice flies you have 28 on the season. And second place team only has 23. So 23. So you've got a healthy lead there. Um, you're 14th in the country and slugging percentage. So you're doing a lot of your damage with, 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 uh, just power hitting. Um, we even saw Nolan Hester getting on the action and hit a ball out this weekend, which was fantastic. It was his first career as a red Raider, uh, first career home run as a red Raider. Um, and then I mentioned a little earlier, the 251st and fielding percentage. Um, I wonder how many of those 32 double plays turned involved Tracer Lopez. That dude is really fun to watch. Yeah, he's um, he's he's really come along. And like again, I I, I hate to be the, the cliche and like repeat that, but like he's that guy that that uh, reclassifies. who's here early, um, and he's he's performed like he's gotten so much better over the season and not that he started off rocky or, or whatever. Yeah. He's just gotten, yeah. he just, he's been just on an astronomical uh, growth 
trajectory here. Um, he's batting 346 uh, so far on the season, which as a freshman is just ridiculous. Uh, 469 in conference play. Uh, he's played and started all nine conference games, 32 at bat, seven runs, 15 hits, one double, three RBI. So he's getting on base. He's getting hit a lot of, uh, a lot of singles, um, which is fine. Um, he's walked twice, struck out seven times on base of 500, slugging of 500. So his OPS is 1,000, which is good for, well, one, two, three, four. He's fifth on the team in OPS because we've got five guys over a thousand, which is ridiculous in its own way. Um, but yeah, as a, as a, as a true freshman here, that's uh, on the younger side. Uh, offensively, he's been really good, but defensively, man, he's he's been he's certainly nailed down that position, the, the shortstop position, um, and hopefully for for the foreseeable future, you don't want to see that that be given up at all. Uh, we mentioned a little earlier, after North Dakota State, you will tra- travel on, on Easter Sunday to play out uh, Palo Alto, take on Stanford for two. Michael, you found that the uh, broadcast rights are uh, unfavorable for the Red Raiders. <laughs> no, it's, you know, the, the Pac-12 broadcast woes have not been solved, especially when it comes to baseball. You know, Texas Tech, I think we're pretty spoiled to... ESPN plus just basically being the home for tech baseball with the exception of a handful of games every year. But this Stanford game, which, you know, you would think well, it's a series, a couple of top had, 20. Yeah, it's a series, a couple of top 25 matchups. Uh, the first one is available on a pac 12 network, but that's, you have to be a subscriber to that. I mean, I would assume if you have a pac 12 package in your cable, bundle then you'll be fine or you know whatever your streaming bundle is but what's really interesting is the second game it's on pac 12 insider which i started rolling my eyes like oh boy well we don't get that it's a free online live stream so tuesday four o'clock if you got two monitors at work pull that second one up you can watch this game on pac 12 insider for free and i don't even know i guess you just Google that and see if it takes you to some place and that's not the dark web and start streaming some baseball. So you, the first one, you know, going to be pretty limited on who's actually going to be able to watch that, but the, which is too bad. Cause you know, an eight, 8 PM first pitch, that sounds fun. That sounds like a fun way to spend a Monday evening. Cause usually tech doesn't, you know, start that late on a, like a midweek game or something. But, uh, they, if you've got Pac-12, you can, but you can at least see the second game for hopefully zero dollars. Yeah, four p.m. Uh, offensively for the Cardinal, um, they've got a couple guys batting over four hundred, and then the rest are lineup are at three hundred or just under. So they're 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 really good offensively as well. Uh, on the season, they've scored two hundred twenty-three runs. Um, defensively, I think is where it's at. I haven't looked at their schedule yet, but they've only given up one hundred forty-three runs pitching. Um, I think you can expect to see some combination of, of Quinn Matthews. I think is there, well, sorry. Uh, I don't know if you would see these guys because these may be their, their weekend guys. Uh, I don't know about their, their midweek guys, but um, it it could be a Quinn Matthews. It could be a Matt Scott or a Joey Dixon. Um, Joey Dixon has the highest ERA of those, of those three at four thirty-five. 
Uh, and he's pitched in 10 games with four starts, 3-0 and on the season. Uh, Quinn Matthews, he's uh, started all seven of his games. He's 3-2. and two. Matt Scott has started four and played in eight. Uh, one off, he's won four of those starts um, with a 186 ERA. Quinn Matthews, 278. Uh, their bullpen, um, they don't have any 99s or anybody above 13.5 like you two, but that's that's a little uh, inflated on your on your on your end with uh, there's a couple of guys that have some short outings, but um, they've got they've got guys they've got guys with a ton of innings. Um, you know they've got. Uh, guy out of the bulk a bullpen you'll see probably Brant Panzer, uh, nineteen innings, three seventy nine ERA. Drew Dowd, uh, twenty two and two thirds innings, four seventy six. Uh, Nick Dugan, uh, nineteen innings pitched. Um, so their 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 defense they they don't give up a ton of runs. Um, their offense looks to be pretty dang good. Uh, let's look at who they played so far this season. They have. They're 18 and seven so far on the season. Their next games will be against Texas Tech, so they're they're getting a little time off. Uh, Cal State Fullerton, they've played Cal, they played three at Rice, uh, Pacific, uh, CSU Bakersfield, Santa Clara. They had uh, they took a series loss at USC. Uh, they swept Oregon State. They swept Utah. Um, they just played. At Oklahoma, that first game on Thursday, they beat them twenty-three to eleven. Uh, they lost the middle two, two to zero, six to five, uh, but then won the Sunday game sixteen to five. So in their wins, they put up thirty-nine runs. Um, and then they had two more at Cal. I feel like they've already played Cal. They did. Maybe that was a non-con matchup. Oh, like when Tech plays OU, yeah. Because they they played Cal one game. Let's see. Yeah, it's not marked as a, a Pac-12 game. Um, but then they had a a, a three game series. Sorry, no, they they will have a three game series um, at Cal this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Their uh, their next game schedule on their website was their next home game. Um, so they've got three games this weekend versus Cal, and then two uh, against Texas Tech. And then they'll go to Oregon uh, following us. So they've got some traditional powerhouses on that schedule. Uh, I haven't heard, you know, they're doing great. They're on, they just won their last game. They're 12 and two at home, uh, 18 and seven overall. But uh, you've seen them recently in the Super Regional. Uh, you saw them just now play Oklahoma and Norman. A pretty good team, a great, great opportunity to, to, flex your muscles and see who you are, uh, see if you've kind of overcome some things uh, and just prepare for some just quality teams uh, that you'll, you know, obviously you, you'll see a lot of those in, in the Big 12, but if you're if you're looking at postseason play, this is the type of team that you'll run into in a tournament, whether it's uh, regional or beyond. So great opportunity to get a, get a couple games next week, early Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, against, like he's, we're saying, a really – good opponent who will have i didn't know they were going to have like 10 days off no they don't good no they don't they like i said they they, they've got the three games this weekend oh okay okay i i missed i missed when you came back with that yeah their their uh their next game ticker whatever on their website was their next home game 
because they're three games too, this weekend. I was too excited. I was I was having too much fun over in McGasland. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, talk about ba- uh, basketball. Um, so with baseball, man, I just I don't know. I I I don't have any advice for you as a fan because I'm I'm one that's going to ride the wave and and, and and get way up on the team and get way down uh, when they struggle. Um, it bugs me when people tell you how to fan, but <laughs> you know, um, realize that, you know, we're, we're halfway through a season. Uh, so some of the things that you've been concerned about, they, they may be just who you are and you just have to deal with it and, and see if you can, uh, try to hide or, um, account for some of those deficiencies elsewhere. Uh, and just kind of expect like, we're going to continue to, to make some errors and we're going to have some weird days at whether at the plate or on the mound, hopefully not both. Um, but you know, if there's one that's struggling, the other can, you know, is strong enough to, to, to pick you up. Uh, as long as, like I said, they're both not having an off day, but those off days are, are, are terribly frustrating. Uh, just because you know how, how good you are and how, um, how high the expectations are around this program and, and, and rightfully so, right? Like it's, it's not like a, Oh yeah, we, we were good that one time a couple of years ago. It's like, no, this is a, this is a good team. It's a great program. Um, we expect to win. So mm-hmm. struggling is, is, is awfully frustrating. So I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you how to fan. I'm not gonna tell you, you know, you know it's, it's just one game or one series. Um, cause it, it, it burns me when people say that I was like, well, I, I, whatever, I've, I've already said all that. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up and talk to talk about basketball, man. What do you think? Hoop it up. Let's do it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he's stuck back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top. McCormick in the crowd. Stripped by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. Evans. Yes! Game over. Mooney with a crossover in the lob. Owens! Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins. Fires. Oh! Edwards with a three. Good! What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into Tariq. Oh, who puts it down? Already. Odiasi. Crowbars it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good! Culver got the separation. Oh, big shot. Stepping up big time. All right, obviously biggest news here in basketball is that Texas Tech has hired and officially announced the start of the Grant McCaslin era. Um, he came in, had his uh, introductory event, press conference, and introduction Monday afternoon starting at 4, p- 4 p.m. at the United Supermarkets Arena. Michael and I both watched it. I watched it this morning. Michael watched it um, as well. I think you said you, were, you watched it today, didn't you? Yeah, this evening. Yeah. Um, and not that you were you were gonna learn anything, but you can definitely get a feel for for who he is, you know, on, on camera in front of the people, how he interacts with uh, the fans, just you know, on camera. Um, and I, I I would say like there there hasn't been a whole lot of guys that you felt like uh, you left the press conference feel like ooh I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously you, you think back to like Matt Wells, 
But like, uh, since then, it's been like you, you've got a lot of hires that have, have, have just knocked the, the introduction out of the water. Uh, Grant McCaslin is, is not any different. I, I think it was a fantastic event. Uh, I loved everything we heard and saw, whether it was from Kirby or from Norrance or from Grant, Coach McCaslin himself. We're not on the first name basis just yet, Coach. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we get there. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're in an effort to get there. Uh, our, our friends over at Seeing Scarlet have, have definitely caught the eye of Krista Gerlich. We're going to effort to catch the eye of Grant McCaslin. But um, until then, he's Coach McCaslin uh, or Coach Gas. So whichever. Yeah. He's GMAC. <laughs> uh, or GMAC. So one of the things I, I wanted to point out from from the uh, the the event, he was very complimentary of the players that were there. Uh, there was a, there was actually a good number of players that were that attended the event, um, more so than the guys that that attended for uh, Mark Adams. And I think that had more to do with just the roster turnover at the point. But he was very complimentary of of what all they've been able to what what they've had to endure and go through because of. Everybody waiting for, excuse me, waiting for the North Texas season to be over, right? Mm. He, he had said that, uh, you know, he wanted to make sure that he was able to focus 100% on his team and on their, on their journey through the NIT, um, which just meant that Texas Tech was without a head coach longer than expected or that you would want. So he was very complimentary to the players that were there. And like I said, there was, there was a good – Good number of them. Uh, there was one guy that was notably not there. It was Davion Harmon. Then it came out that he was unable to attend because I think he had his wisdom teeth pulled or something. So he's like, I just can't go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, been there. But like Jalen Tyson was there. Um, I remember him because it kept showing him. Uh, Pop Isaacs was there. Uh, Demarion Williams. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to miss some guys. Just there they were a, a couple of rows of players there. And like I said, it wasn't just, you know, two or three guys. Um, so the, I, I think the next thing that we're, we're, we're kind of looking out for would be a, uh, some staff announcements. Uh, there are some names rumored, uh, whether they're close or, uh, they're just in the works to, to get the, get the deal done. Um, one being Ben McCollum which is a – he's the head coach at Northwest Missouri State. Um, if you don't know anything about that program, it's fine. Uh, but he, he's come up as one of those just up-and-coming coaches, and and you would be great to add him to the staff as, as, as more of an offensive side. I think he's known more for, for his offensive play. Um, supposedly, or at least there was uh, some rumors that he was in attendance at the event. I didn't ever see it or hear that or see that anywhere officially. Uh, we have heard – that um, McCaslin has been in touch with John Jackus, Jacus, Yakus, I don't know how to pronounce his name, associate head coach there at Baylor under Scott Drew um, to also be joining the staff. So there's that. And then uh, a couple of, of assistants from the UNT staff supposedly have been contacting recruits on behalf of Texas Tech that would be coming with McCaslin. Um, not Hodge. Hodge is, is staying behind. I don't know his first name, but Coach Hodge is staying behind to take over as the head coach at North Texas, which is one of those things where uh, you're okay not taking the entire staff if you're not decimating the program when you leave it um, and that you're, you're having guys from your previous staff be elevated to a new position and, and, and to be able to grow their own careers. But uh, th- that's been a couple of names I've heard or seen. Uh, obviously, we haven't heard anything official yet. Um, but Michael, let's, I want to hear your thoughts from the very beginning of the McCaslin era from his, his event or just initial thoughts so far. 
Well, I've, I, I'm not someone who enjoys coach, coach searches. I don't enjoy researching potential candidates. I don't, I don't like that. I like someone doing all that work for me. And then once they pick the guy, then I'll look into who he is. So that's basically where I'm at now. I'm really, I'm just now, okay. It was officially announced Friday. I've officially started since then trying to learn about the guy a little bit more, see what he's about. Um, you know, his winning percentage is pretty incredible. He has an overall record of 210 and 89, which is a 70% winning percentage. He was 135 and 65 at North Texas, which is 68%. And he was 71 and 35 in conference play at 67%. These are all numbers from Seth's post on Staking the Plains. And I just kind of wanted to come back into this. Uh, I'm not going to go through the history of it, but you know, Seth started Double T Nation, which became Viva the Matadors, and then he moved on to Staking the Plains about 10 years ago, if mm-hmm. I remember right. But so March 30th, 2013, our guy wrote this. What about Grant McCasland for the basketball head coach job at Texas Tech? Should Baylor assistant coach Grant McCasland be a candidate? So anyway, he, he goes into his reasoning and he, he did kind of get the idea from an article in the Times Record in Wichita Falls. But he, he goes into it and one of the first things that I really enjoyed about this, it just shows how far this program has come in this 10 years. Point number one, right now the Texas Tech men's basketball job is not desirable. This is the reality, and it ain't pretty. I love my university, but I also realize that a culmination of events from Bobby Knight anointing his son, Pat, to be the head coach, to the Billy Gillespie fiasco, to where we are today, the coaching situation has been one blunder after another. When Hokut said he has to get this right, he wasn't kidding. This is supposed to be an income-producing sport, and although I am sure it's producing some income, it has so much potential. So you read that 10 years ago, you know, knowing what we know now, it was every every single thing about that was right and accurate. And now this is a super desirable job. And that is one that that is something that, you know, the Hokut was getting across in the in the welcome ceremony. Um, you know, McCaslin interviewed, I think, when Beard left. I think he was a candidate then. Um, you know, he's obviously been here. Uh, he was with Dickey, I think, a couple of seasons, maybe three, early 2000s. So, um, you know, his wife's a Red Raider. She played soccer here. You know, th- there's there's all these connections. The guy just sounds like he's, you know, he doesn't sound like Rick Pitino or something. <laughs> he sounds right, like one sure. of us. He sounds like a guy that has been in Texas a long time. And anyway, I the, the more I look into him because now the decision's been made. Now I can allow myself to, to, to go whole hog on this one guy. I can get more behind it. And, and an, another thing that really got, um, you know, that really swayed me even more. Norrence Odiase has a great podcast called mind bully. And it's a lot of it is, um, you know, the mind bully is that, basically that kind of voice inside your head telling you you can't do something or you shouldn't do something or and so it's it's a very mental health focused podcast for a lot of um, 
you know, for, for the most part. But he had one recently post that I got to listen to today. It's about 30 minutes. And it's just kind of a stream of consciousness of him. He's just kind of unloading all of this info. He's kind of decompressing all of this info from just having been part of this coaching search. And about two hours before he was going to catch a flight to come to Lubbock for Monday's ceremony. So he's just saying everything off the top of his head. And he's, he keeps apologizing, but he doesn't need to. And, but then he realizes like, why am I apologizing? This is just who I am. So I listened to that and I, I really got more excited. One of the things that he really um, focused on with the search and, you know, what he particularly liked about McCasland is discipline. Now, if you've got a former player coming in talking about like, we, we want, we want to be coached. We want to be disciplined. And, you know, he was talking about the portal. He's not the biggest fan of it. He understands it's part of the game now, but he also, you know, said some, some things about it saying, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to become a man when you can't fail. You know, you're not allowed to fail in this. You just decide, oh, yeah, well, me and this coach aren't getting along. I'm just going to check out and go somewhere else. You know, it's it's not so much failing and trying to get better. It's more just like, well, it's not me. It's the university or it's the fans or it's the coach. I'm, I'm just going to move on. I know that's not always the case with the portal, and he knows that too, but um, – it was just refreshing to hear him kind of open up a little bit about it and that the defense, not the defense, the discipline side was the thing that he was most interested in. You know, how, what is this, what does a disciplined team look like? You know, do you, do you um, keep up with how often they go to class or do you keep up with this? Do you keep, you know, if someone's trying to make a goal weight, how, how do you keep up with that? How do you, it, it was really cool. So, that got me a little bit more excited to hear him be that excited about McCaslin. And, and so I, I think I'm, I'm getting there because when, when the hire was first announced, it was just kind of like, well, yeah, that's what's been the, the rumor for three weeks now. And I didn't have like a strong negative opinion or unfortunately a strong positive opinion, but I, I was, I was kind of just being a blank slate. And so I'm going to just form my opinion as we go. And I'm sorry for talking for 10 minutes nonstop. No, you're good. Your, your, your turn. <laughs> you may go now. <laughs> sorry. No, so I, I was going back and, and look at that article that you referenced from Seth from 10 years ago. And in, in the picture, he says, I think this is McCaslin. I don't, I don't think it is. But in that picture is Jerome Tang as well, who we've seen um, yeah, Kansas State be super successful. Uh, and the Scott Drew coaching tree is like, man, it's it's kind of it's branching out to, to starting to produce so many um, head coaches. You mentioned just his success, and 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 it was mentioned at uh, the introductory event um, that McCaslin owns the career winning percentage, like he's the top winning percentage coach everywhere he's been. Yeah, which is like, yeah, that's he's right. a winner. He's a winner everywhere, and he he's he's. So much so he like he leads the program at wherever he's been, um, whether it was you know uh, Midland or Northwestern State or sorry, uh, is that what it's called Midwestern Midwestern, Midwestern. 
Um, and then, you know, obviously he was a, he was an assistant at Baylor and then head coach at Arkansas state and then North Texas and now Texas tech. So, uh, the other well, names. And, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. The, I'll, I'll, I promise I'll, this is all I'm going to interrupt you on. Did y'all hear all the n- names of the towns that Spencer just listed? I mean, these are, it's all West Texas, right? It's all West Texas. Yeah. Man, Waco. who came up with that? You know, it's really, it's really awesome that, um, you know, the guys that came up with it are, uh, are allowing everyone else to use it. Yeah. That's what kind of them. But yeah. Uh, Midland, Wichita Falls, Waco yeah. even. Denton. Denton. It's all I West mean, Texas. it's, the the guy is very familiar with West Texas. He talked about it in his press conference earlier in the the ceremony deal about driving a bus mm-hmm. to to you know Borger Borger. <laughs> yeah, I mean just just driving just if when you're a JUCO coach, you're driving the bus. You're part of it. Uh, you're part of getting the team from A to B. So I I, I do. Like I said, I'm just kind of getting more excited. Uh, you know, you know, hearing him speak. I was admittedly on the Adams train. Mm-hmm. I, I was too. Um, I thought that was the right hire. It made sense to me. And but even after that, I was like, wow, his press conference was. Mm. It's you. You know, you go from Chris Beard to Mark Adams, and it's just a different experience in front of a microphone i'll just put it that way and so i was kind of like oh, okay well that's different but mccaslin just seemed way much more natural in front of it um i know that's a weird thing to criticize or notice because who cares if your coach is winning basketball games if he's super comfortable in front of a microphone or not but he seemed that way and he seemed yeah. genuine at the same time but the fact that he's been all across this great state recruiting all across this great state for over a decade now, uh, it's a really comforting feeling to know that he's already got contacts. He's got feelers out. And now that he's got, you know, the power of the Womble Center and, you know, just the, the Power Five program behind him and the, the recruiting uh, budget he's going to have compared to what he did before. And, you know, being familiar with DFW, that's huge for, uh, you know, for basketball recruiting. Mm-hmm to have been there for six seasons, you know, in the middle of it, not just, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get some guys over here to Midland or I'm trying to get some guys to Wichita falls from Arlington or whatever. No, he's, he's there. He's in Denton and getting these guys. So I, I it's, it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good right now, man. That, yeah. That's, so all, I, you, that's you, all I'll say. You mentioned uh, recruiting and uh, you know, it's not something that like, you know, he's, he's got, you know, ties to Texas Tech, and he, he knows how to recruit here. He's been in the state of Texas, like he he's he's been here recruiting the state of Texas for um, most of his career. Right? Like even, if, yeah. even when he was at Baylor, he was recruiting Texas for a Big Twelve program. He knows how it's done. Uh, obviously, the the way it plays out now, since he was at Baylor, is going to be a little bit different. But um, or at least more out in the open about what you can do. <laughs> so. Um, with that, we obviously we haven't heard anything official yet. Like we said, not on staff, not really of, of, of players yet. Uh, we've got several Texas Tech players in the portal uh, that you're hoping he can recruit to stay because essentially it's going to be like a new program except for the facilities and just how, how things are done. 
Uh, but the way that the program is run, practices, games, all that kind of stuff is going to be completely different. You kind of have to re-recruit everybody, but especially the guys that are in the portal that you think can contribute to next year's team. McCaslin has said it like he's he's trying to spend time getting to know the players, the the new players, the Texas Tech players before um, you know making kind of roster decisions because you know he doesn't know he wasn't he said you know, he's trying to be very honest and open like I I haven't had time to to uh, scout and recruit the players on this team. Yeah. Like, I, I watched them a little bit because uh, when, when, when the big 12 plays on big Monday, like I want to watch those, want to watch those games. So I like, I've seen Texas tech play. I just, it wasn't, you know, scouting them or <laughs> trying yeah, to decide like, would different, that, would that be, guy be good in my scheme? Right. The different context. Yeah. Just sitting down to watch a game versus, Oh, okay. I'm about to coach these guys in four weeks. Let's, <laughs> it's a different yep. thing. Um, so there's that. So, you know, he's got those guys that are on the roster that, that he wants to, to recruit to stay. He's got the guys that are in the portal with one foot out that he wants to recruit back. Uh, he's going to have some spots to, to fill. Obviously you know, you've got, you know, um, w- whether the, the, the guys that are in the, in the portal are going to leave, you've got the, their spots to fill. You're going to have seniors that are moving on like, uh, O'Banner to their spots to fill. Um, a couple of guys, like one, one obviously uh, you would you think is is kind of high up on the priority list is, is Tyler Perry, the guard from North Texas. He was named Conference USA Player of the Year, and it was the NIT Most Outstanding Player. Uh, he's obviously played for McCaslin for for his career, so you would think um, if he was really tied to that, like you know he'd be able to follow. But I also saw that he uh, has been in contact with with Jerome Tang up there at Kansas State, uh, so that would be a good fit for him. But I would hate to see that, but. Perry, you know, averaged 17, more than 17 points per game this year. Uh, hit 112 threes, which was second all time for North Texas. Um, like I said, the the two uh, year awards or recognitions was just, there's a whole list of them for 2023. He was just fantastic this year. Another guy you've seen um, kind of blow up in the past couple of days is Hofstra guard Aaron Estrada. A lot of people seem to be in on this guy, but it was mentioned that Texas Tech is also in on him, which I thought was interesting. It's like who's who's recruiting him, who's reaching out to him. Um, but Estrada's six three, one ninety five guard, like I said, from Hostra, averaged uh, a little bit more than twenty points per game, five and a half rebounds, and four four more than four assists. Um, can't forget about Kyron Lindsay, who transferred in already to Texas Tech from Georgia. He will be uh, eligible like, again. You'd hope that. Um, you know, transferring in and then and then sitting, he's not he's not going to be one to, to leave. Uh, another guy you obviously want to keep would be Jalen Tyson. Um, but your guys in the portal uh, include Elijah Fisher, Robert Jennings, Ethan Duncan. I think all three of those are. I think Fisher and Jennings, you've got a shot at bringing back. Fardai's Amac, I could punt that dude out into the sun. I couldn't care less. <laughs> Uh, Ethan Duncan, I think, is is off to to find uh, a better opportunity for him to play and be a contributor elsewhere because he didn't he didn't play at all here. Um. So, uh, like I said, haven't heard anything officially official about um anything just yet. But you know, just just some names to throw out there of, of guys you could see uh, come back to Texas Tech or to come as a as a as a transfer. Um. Just excited to see how McCaslin builds builds out his staff and and and, and the team, uh, and how this thing kind of comes together here. Um, I do want to do want to update everybody on the on the year end Ken Palm ratings. Uh, it went up even from when the last time we recorded because they did play. Uh, they North Texas finished the year thirty first in Ken Palm. Uh, 
adjusted offense at 70th, and their defense was at 18th. Uh, I thought it was interesting uh, in the introductory event today, or sorry, yesterday, McCaslin was talking about, um, he's like, I, I, I took a lot of Adams, no middle defense. <laughs> and, and he was gracious enough to, to allow me to come, come study with him and, and, and to learn it. And we, we, we put our own spin on it. Um, and that's, that's a lot of what we do. Um, we talked about, I think a little bit last week, they not only are they good at, no, you know, to take away the middle, but uh, also at cut recovering and, and, and covering out on threes, which I think has been a downside for uh, how the defense has, has played out for Texas tech under Mark Adams the past few years that you've been really good at, at limiting teams from just driving and getting easy buckets in the lane or just down low. Um, but you've been really vulnerable to teams that, that get hot or just that shoot the three really well. Uh, McCaslin mm-hmm. defenses have been really good at, at defending the three. So we'd love to see that. Um, and then obviously on the offensive side, uh, McCaslin's offense has been uh, really, really efficient and creating good shots, just have a really, really slow tempo. Uh, but I think when you see guys like Ben McCollum uh, being targeted, like he's he's got some um, intentions there at least to to continue to improve the the offensive side of, of, of his teams and his his scheme and, and how we can uh, complement that with with the defense they played. Not that seventieth in offense is bad. Um, it just you know the the combination of, of the two you know offense and defense together is what's going to get you you know playing on Monday night. That they they mentioned that several times. Like it was no it was not lost on them that they were holding this event on the day that the national title game was being played. Uh, and, and look at the teams that played. Uh, Connecticut finished the season. UConn. Adjusted offense number three, adjusted defense number seven. Uh, yeah. And then they played San Diego State. They were 75th in offense, fourth in defense. So that was, you know, a little bit lower, obviously, on the offensive side. UConn, I mean, it was impressive. And I, I, I realized going back, uh, I mentioned, like, there's no, no you know, big name or blue buds in, in, in the Final Four or in the title game. And I'm going back, it's like, that was a – Mischaracterization, mischaracterization of the UConn program, being that they've now won all six of their title games or all five of the title games they played in since like '99. So they've played in like four or five, sorry, five or six in 24 years, and they've won all of them. Um, so forgive me. Did my you watch any of it? Oh no, I didn't watch a second. Of yeah, it. me neither. <laughs> but congratulations to UConn. That's that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, really, that's you know, great. It's, yeah, it's but, great for the Huskies. You know, big deal. You know, really, really proud. But I was going back and saying, I, I remember saying, like, there's just there's no names here. Like, we've got UConn and FAU and San Diego State. Like, U, UConn well, like, on the border of being a really big name. Like, like in, in the, your defense, I was like, well, UConn women's basketball, sure. Yeah. And then, but, so I wasn't going to correct you. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how good the men have been doing. I don't know. But I know UConn women's have, have been, you know, they've won like 40 games in a row a couple years or a couple times, maybe. I don't know. They've been incredible. So. Yeah, I wasn't going to correct you. I was like, yeah, I don't know what the men have been doing. Yeah, so going back to the the, the Ken Palm ratings, just just for um, comparison's sake or for for context, Texas Tech finished the season sixty uh, third in Ken Palm. North Texas was thirty first. Texas Tech had the sixtieth offense to North Texas seventieth, uh, and then the sixty sixth defense compared to the North Texas eighteenth. Yeah, and not to harp on it, I mentioned it last week, I think, but the tempo, dead last in the country, 363rd. Um, 
you know, almost a full possession behind 360 seconds. So they, they get 59.1 possessions per game. Is that what that, that's what that adjusts to, right? It is a possessions per 40 minutes Per 40 minutes. Yeah. And so I watched, you know, I'm not going to say I like sat and watched film of the last couple of NIT games, but once it became pretty clear that it was going to be him, I did watch a little bit of their last two NIT games and I didn't, I did too. And I didn't feel I like didn't it was not that slow. Agree. A hundred percent agree. Um, it, it, at least it's not jarring. You know, it's, it may be slow if you, you know, cause tech, I, I forget where tech was. I know tech wasn't tech, burning down in terms of tempo was 180th. So right in the middle. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, maybe if you're maybe if you're used to watching St. John's, which is number one, you know they get seventy three point three possessions in forty minutes, and then you start watching UNT basketball and they get fifty nine point one. Okay, you might have some whiplash or something, but I, I think you know he might speed that up a little bit. He might be able to kind of adjust things. I, I'm less worried about it than I was after having looked at that and thought, man, this is going to be like those Tubby Smith days where. It was just hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, shoot a prayer up with the second left and hope something happens or someone fouls you. And and that that is not at all how I felt watching this team. They you know, the the handful of quarters I watched of two different games. So take that with a grain of salt. Well and and, and also let me point out, like when I when I uh filtered this list based on on tempo, you look at teams that led the the country in, in tempo a lot of teams you don't recognize like, yeah. So Alabama is up there. They were fourth in tempo and they were fourth overall. Like, right. Uh, but then you got teams around like Tulane, obviously you know them, but long beach state, UT Rio Grande Valley, LIU, Southeast Missouri state, Portland state, Milwaukee, central Arkansas, Pepperdine, Buffalo, Arizona, Marshall, Bryant, Southern Utah, New Mexico, South Carolina. Like, like there aren't a lot of, teams power five power six teams that are anywhere near the top of this list in tempo so no look at that like i I think it's more of a more of an indication like these smaller uh low major teams use tempo to offset other things where other where you know a team like texas tech or north texas rely on like we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into good shots we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we get uh, the most efficient and effective looks rather than we're going to get just volume looks. So, yeah. And you know, teams like St. Mary's ranked 13 in Ken Palm, they're 359th in tempo and then Houston 339th in tempo. So it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of, um, not to diminish what the air raid was, but you know, that's kind of what the air raid was, was, now, I don't want to say it was a gimmick, but it was definitely a way to kind of even the odds for uh, you know a, a team that may not quite have the same talent level as some of the some of their opponents. Um, so you know, tempo might be kind of viewed that same way. Well, yeah, and then like, just to, to, to add to your point, uh, Purdue was a one seed. They were two hundred, sorry, three hundred and twenty fourth in tempo. Yeah, so I'm, I'm talking seventh overall and a one seed. In the tournament, yeah, talking myself off the ledge here. I think I'm, I'm, we're gonna be we're gonna be all right. So uh, just yeah, 
ready to get going now. We'll see. Let, I, I want to see who's on the team now. That, that's what yeah, I want to see the team, the, the staff. Am I going to have to learn an, an entire new roster again, which I think I will. Likely, that's fine. Yeah. That's, that's part. That's how, that's how this goes, but uh would love to retain some of these guys. It's the way baseball go. Um, speaking of really quickly, the Rangers, man, they were off to a hot start. I, I, I sat there and made fun of the roster last time. He did. And I used Robbie Grossman specifically. And then the dude on opening day hits a three run bomb. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's on me. Um, they, they lost again tonight. So they lost, they, they won their first three. They swept the Phillies. Then they've lost two straight versus the Orioles. So not looking, uh, not looking too bad for my, uh, 70 and 92 prediction or whatever, 71, 91, whatever they end up being. Football, we're not even going to play the bumper. We're just going to jump into it because it's going to be so short. Uh, spring game is coming up here in about two and a half weeks, the 22nd. Uh, we'll be on ESPN Plus at noon. For those locally in town, Lowry Field out there at the uh, the Loop, South Loop, and uh, what's that like, Avenue U? No, even even from further east. Yeah, well, I, you could probably just say South Loop and not 27. Yeah, South Loop 27. Kind of right um, there. 27 was, was shut down for a little bit because of an overturned concrete mixer today. Fun fact. That's concrete, baby. <laughs> uh, quick recruiting news. There was a new commit today. Mike, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, 2024 tight end Trey Jackson, 6'4", 215 guy from South Oak Cliff. When he continued I had to, not seen that. Continue that pipeline for the Metroplex and uh, the storied program there at Sock, But... Um, a guy that's got a little bit of height and some some uh, space to put on, so a, a frame to, to hang some weight on uh, to play in the Big Twelve. But again, not like you're adding the tight end position. Like, okay, we gotta fill these guys out. You got you got great guys on the roster ahead of him. Allow him to to fill out a little bit. Um, so got that. Then you had Pro Day recently, uh, just a, a couple days ago. You had guys participating in that. Um, let me pull this up really quickly. Unless you have it. Yeah, no, that that I mean, they had 12, 12 members of Tech's, uh, you know, the the, the twenty twenty two team were there. Um, also had a couple returning guys with Jonathan Garibay, Nelson, and Banasor, and Seth Collins, who's got to be thirty, what, like twenty eight. <laughs> Sorry, no, it, it was Sorry. the same joke. Collins family. Yeah, <laughs> but so anyway, so Garibay was there. Uh, he was a member of the, the Cowboys organization through the training camp. Um, he and Trey Wolf uh, kicked together. Um, and then it says Wolf connected on both 58 and 60-yard kicks on Pro Day. Um, you you had two guys that were invited to, to the draft. And Tyre, sorry, not the draft. The, the combine, Tyree Wilson, Sir Roger Thompson. Um and Tyree Wilson was a, a limited participant because of his uh, his injury, still re- recovering from that. Didn't want, want to aggravate or um, do anything to 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 throw that off as he's preparing to to give the scouts and and general managers the best possible look at what he's able to do and not set anything back. But the guys you had had participating: Seth Collins, Adrian Fry, Jonathan Garibay, uh, Nelson Banasor, Krishan Merriweather, Dimitri Moore, uh, Gabe Oladipo, Sir Roderick Thompson. Shadarius Townsend, Marquise Muddy Waters, Tyree Wilson, Trey Wolf, and Weston Wright. Holy crap. Muddy Waters, 37 and a half inch vertical. He and Shadarius Townsend both. 
And Chidarius ran a four 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 forty. The fastest, the fastest one of the day. day. Uh, Good night. Tyree Wilson didn't run. Like I said, because his leg, Trey Wolf and Jonathan Gary obviously didn't run. They don't, it doesn't matter. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like they, they've got they've got no uh, no measurables or no um, drill no. stats listed because they don't. They, they, we just want to see you kick. No, it's fine. Although <laughs> there, there, there was a kicker that that uh, that did the bench. I don't remember is that a pro day or if it was at a like a combine, but like the 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 kicker got down and did like. It's like 20 something reps, too. It's like, oh my gosh, this dude. <laughs> Not necessary, but holy crap. He's yoked. Um a little a surprised because I don't I don't I don't recognize the name Gabe Oladipo, but he put up 29 reps on the bench. Um Krishan Merriweather, 10 foot even broad jump. Chad Townsend a 10-9 broad jump. Good gravy. That dude's got a lower body. I wouldn't be surprised at Chadarius Townsend, like, like because of how quiet he was at Texas Tech. If he's able to get on, like a roster somewhere, and like, who, who is this guy? Yeah, um, yeah. A, a thirty-seven and a half inch vertical, twenty-one reps on the bench, ten-nine broad jump, and a four forty-four forty. Like very, the very definition of athlete. Like, th- find a place for him to to stand. Find yeah. a place for him to do something. Yeah, and then uh, return <laughs> return punts played you know, play corner. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's, he could be really versatile and I, I just wished he did. I, I know that he got to play more this year, but man, I was just, I just had higher hopes for him. I don't, I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming anybody. It's just, you could tell he was talented and quick and just for some reason, just couldn't get on the field as much as I wanted to see him on the field. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that not. Uh, I was looking at Adrian Fry's uh, forty time at four sixty seven. I was like, it's kind of slow for a defensive <laughs> back. And then it looked like it doesn't help. Two guy, two guys down on the list, Nelson and Benson, our defensive lineman ran a four seventy five. Like a defensive back and a defensive lineman are about the same speed. That's that's not looking good. Like it's it's that's Did, a pretty quick D lineman, but that's a pretty slow defensive back. Sorry, yeah, Fry. I mean, yeah, Seth Collins running four seventy five as a you know thirty three year old is really it's impressive. Really impressive. Uh, did do you remember your forty time? I, I think I only got timed officially once because I only played football one year, but I do not remember it. But I'm pretty sure a five was involved. Uh, I just, so I I ran it once uh, for for team uh, early early uh, practice as they were trying to position everybody. Um, in seventh grade and I ran it and the coach that was running it then asked what position you want to play. And I said, tight end. He just laughed. <laughs> like you need to be faster than that to play tight. end. I was like, all right, then I guess I'm not playing tight end. <laughs> well, we'll put you on the line though. No, as so I, I, he's like, <laughs> you'll be next to the tight end. Yeah. So I, I played tackle. So I was next to the tight end <laughs> and I was on the strong side. So we always had our tight end on the strong side. So. I was next to him every play. I was like, you jerk. Now, granted, uh, the way we, we utilized to tight ends in those days, it was, uh, he was more of a receiver. Um, he also played yeah. d- defensive end in our five, two front. So it was more of a, a quick guy than a, a big guy. And this has been another <laughs> getting to know another that. segment of t- 23 P and me. Yeah. Uh, I would have been, you know, officially in the in the personnel that would have been listed in 23 personnel had I been oh, a yes. tight end but 
I was. I was a tight end. I never played a single down as a tight end, but I was always, I, when it was time to practice offense, I was with the tight ends. Yeah, I was off they, of the tackle. That's where they told me to stand. And then I was defensive tackle. So in a 5-2, again, I was right next to the end. <laughs> I was defensive tackle too, buddy. We, we probably wrecked shop. Uh, Actually, I, I seldom. I, I never really played. Really quickly, did I tell you about the time that I intercepted an option pitch? No. <laughs> really, okay, so really, you were, really quickly. You had okay. So Spencer, you blew through the line. You just like uh, I just blew you, through, like, or did they just miss me completely? <laughs> let's let's be honest. Like I was not. Well, it's because of your blazing speed. That's why they missed you. Sorry. Go ahead. It was one of those things where like every team ran a different defense so like we had to learn a new defense like how to block a new defense every week and there was one team that ran like a bare front and we're like they've got more defensive linemen than we have offensive line what the heck are we gonna do <laughs> the math don't work <laughs> anyway so we, we were one of those teams that like we were in a five two again which was more defensive line than most teams ran with uh and they ran a pitch an option pitch play in my direction so offensively they were moving left i was on the right side of the defensive line I squeezed through between the guard and the tackle. Um, and I don't know if the quarterback just saw me and just read pitch or what. Cause I was not the, I was not like, I was not the read man. Like, like there's no way there. They, they let me through and like, we're going to read this guy. Uh, but I was through and he just like panicked and pitched it. But like, <laughs> I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. I ran between the two. Like had he had, had he kept the ball, I wouldn't have touched the quarterback had he pitched like a second earlier, I wouldn't have touched the running back. I would run between them like, oh, what do I do now? They're both behind me. But worked out, pitched it right to me. <laughs> and as a as a really slow defensive tackle, I I caught the ball, tripped on like, nothing, happened? and fell. <laughs> and I was like, what just happened? Um, <laughs> super excited about that. Uh, not... not I don't know if it was the same game or not, not that far off. Um, we scored a touchdown and we were lining up for the extra point. And I was next to the snapper on extra points and punts, but we lined up differently. Obviously in extra points, we had a very tight formation and punts. We had a very wide formation on the line, right? Mm. The, uh, the deep snapper. No, sorry. No, I, I, I was still a tackle. The center was not the deep snapper. So he was playing more in the guard position. Don't remember why he lined up in the wide formation for an extra point. He for sure let the blocker right through and it got blocked. I was like, dude, I told you <laughs> anyways, this was, um, uh, my, my one, my one, like I said, uh, claim to fame in that season was I intercepted an option pitch. Um, had, had the offensive run that anyway, uh, not, not not even efficiently, but like just competently. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been anywhere near the play. Um, one more, one more instance of just how bad I was. Um, we ran a pass play and I was lined up this one game. We were playing in the big stadium, one of the high school stadiums, one of the final games of the year. We ran a pass play. We, we were a very run heavy team. We were in a pass play. We were super excited about it. And uh, I was getting just destroyed with defensive end all game. But like on this one pass play, I just didn't let go. I, I didn't hold him, but I didn't let him pass me. And like we got like 10, 15 yards downfield behind the play. And he was all like yelling at me, John. I was like, oh, you suck so bad. I was like, 
dude, we threw the ball and you were 10 yards away from the quarterback. Like you had no effect on the play. <laughs> like, yeah, you pushed me back 10 yards, but like you still did nothing. You didn't have yeah. any impact on this play. So good for you. All right. You were a diversion. I was like, uh, it still worked out for us, bro, because you didn't sack the quarterback. So <laughs> suck on that. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's all. I, I was going to talk about like the 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 AstroTurf, like one of those like last times you actually had like the you get like a real bad carpet burn if you played on this turf. Oh, we were God, that stuff sucked. Yeah, uh, one of those things like, hey, don't wear your cleats to this game. Just wear your tennis shoes. Um, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I think <laughs> hour and a half is probably pretty good. Okay, so that's what do we learn? That's what good. do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. Sorry, I was super ready to hit that button. You were not ready. But here we are. Uh, quick update behind the, behind the dish. I am now eight games in to umpiring at Cooper Little League. Seven of those games have gone really well. <laughs> oh, eight okay. games. Actually, the last game. Last night's game. Last night. Uh, last game of the game. Sorry. Last game of the night, last night, I was behind the plate. It was a farm game. So these are little guys, but still kid pitch. Um, get up. Both of these teams are actually going to be the better or best teams in this division. Oh, excuse me. Their pitchers were just throwing darts, dude. I was like, great. I don't have to try to like expand the strike zone because you do that, then you get like all inconsistent. Like, well, it, a ball up here was a strike a minute ago, but... I, because it's not the normal, I'm not like, I have different landmarks. I can't, no, whatever. I was like, I'm not expending this. All these guys are great. Uh, I had a coach later in the game, their pitching was running out. Like they, they, mm. they were using guys and they, the, the guys later in the game weren't hitting the same spots. The guys in the beginning of the game were, and they were wearing me out. <laughs> the coaches were the coaches were. And, and these are guys I coached against. These are guys that I would have been coaching against now, but I've coached them against them for the past two a division. So like I know them and they know me like, and we talked or whatever. Um, and I felt like because of that air quotes relationship, not like we're not friends. Um, he felt more comfortable being yeah. an a-hole. <laughs> and, and I, I thought it like during the game, I was like, dude, like you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop. Like because the coach is doing it, like more of the fans and parents were doing it. Sure. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like, oh, come on, blue. Where are you? It was more like, like it was a coat. It was a close pitch that I would call whichever way, but it was against what they thought. Like, oh, what was that? Whatever. <laughs> so like they were, they were saying it to me, but not to me. If that makes sense, it wasn't yes, directed at it me. Does. Okay. Anyways, um, there was one. I was like, all right. Mental note: If they say something else, I'm gonna give a warning. Right. I was like, okay, okay. And then, like, nothing ever happens. And and there were close pitches that went both ways. They just, they were quiet. It's like, I wonder if he heard me just thinking out loud. Maybe, maybe I said it out loud to myself. I was like, all right, next one coaches a warning or something. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, it, it got better. But I knew it was fine because both teams were, were, were griping at close pitches. But they were close. But they were still balls. But I think they were expecting because they were young guys. Um, I was going well, it to, it's, but it's hard to adjust this. I mean, I it's understand already hard saying. enough because these kids are very so much in size, right? And you've got to, of course, based on the kid's size. 
But a lot of but the, the issues we're having were, were in and out. Like it, it had nothing to do with the size of the kid. It was like that ball was in, like it bounced in the batter's box across from the batter. Like that's not a strike, guys. <laughs> or like they legitimately had to like duck or step back out of the way. There are some kids that are just scared of the ball. Like the ball will come in close and it'll still be a strike, but they'll still jump out of the way. It's like, oh, sorry, kid, that's a strike. Yeah, um, you got to swing at that one. But no, they like there was like <laughs> like. You're griping at pitches that like probably look good up and down from your from, from the dugout, but in and out they were they were not they're they're missing like the catcher's diving for these things. Um, but yeah, anyways, seven well, and eight's not bad. I think that's that's what no that's that's really good. That's what um, when I got to the game on Saturday, Kyle and Rob had picked up really great seats in general admission, kind of above first base, so you had like a perpendicular view from the pitcher's mound to the catcher. And so like for the first time in a long time, cause you know, I've, I've mostly watched baseball on TV and I haven't been to a tech game in a couple of years and I was in a different seat and all that yada, yada, yada. So having a perpendicular view of that, you get a grasp of how fast this damn ball's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. And the, and every time I see someone swing late, I'm like, yeah, I would have swung a second later than that because it's just, that fast, but the other the other thing I noticed was so many people had an opinion on whether it was a ball or a strike from our point of view, and I and I just couldn't understand. I, all you can tell is high or low, mm-hmm. and even then you can't really tell because you're looking twenty five foot down. It, anyway, it's just it's just one of those things with baseball I don't get. You know, someone in in right field and a pro game like yelling about a ball or a strike or something you're just like no you don't know yeah it's just you're you're just mad <laughs> so <laughs> my, my my advice is watch the catcher like he's got the best view of the strike zone yeah if he yeah. has to move his glove to frame it the guy with the best point of view probably thought it was a ball but then also i know that if i'm not keeping my eye perfectly on the catcher he's going to move that glove back oh they're so quick they're so they're quick. very yeah i know i know and so you you know if i'm not the watching the skill of a catcher and, and receiving is, is being able to frame pitches and like and yep. be moving their glove as the ball comes in so it's not like they caught it and then moved it it's all one motion like they bring it in and then catch it like, like oh yeah this is it's right down the middle blue yeah. this is right down the middle this whole time so i've got dirt in my glove don't worry about that yeah you, you gotta watch out for that but for, for kids especially like like that they, they were trying to frame something it's like bro the, you caught that ball a second ago and then you moved it or it was like a catch boom it's like no it's gotta be like it's right here i understand man. what you're doing but one one but you're not very good at it <laughs> one clean motion from like you're gonna start outside of where the pitch is and then come in catch it and then stop so then it like all the movement looks like it was just part of whatever. Anyways. And and I have a and not that I was bad. Ahead. I was like I, I just there was just more chirping at me than usual. Um yeah. I think I think the strike zone was fine. Probably not the best, but it was it was it was consistent at least both ways. And and whether or not it was it was a perfect 100, 100 you know, hundred percent of my strikes and balls, but it was fine. That that also had some had some issues. Uh, the team that lost, there were a couple of really close plays at home, and there were two actually. One went in their favor, one did not. Uh, but it happened. The first one came in was an out. The second one came in on called safe. Um, they 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 were both pretty like quick succession, like like within a batter or two. So mm-hmm. it was like the first was like, oh no way, he was he was so safe. And the next one c- c- comes in and says safe, it's like 
See, it was the same thing. They were safe both times. Like, oh my gosh, shut up. No, because the way that was tagged, like he, like the foot was in the ball, and the tag came down on top of his leg. I was like, that's the obviously the foot beat the tag. If the the yeah, if the yeah. glove comes down on top of the leg, physics the, the, and whatnot, leg was there first. If the yeah. runner kicks the glove, the glove was there first. <laughs> like very obvious, especially for this age. Like the one. But the the glove came in, tagged him on his thigh. I was like, nope, definitely was there before the, the throw or before the tag. The second one literally kicked the glove. I was like, yep, he's out. He slid into that tag. Anyways, I said a quick update. It's probably been 10 minutes now of, of Little League that my son did not play in. So, well, I go. can I can go back to, okay, so back to the law. Yes, please. I was there. Um, I just can't brag about their seats good enough because not only was it really just great to watch the game and to observe how fast that pitching is, but we were in the shade by the second inning. Oh, nice. Maybe the third. Full shade on a 2 o'clock first pitch in April. That first base no. side is, is, is the spot to be. One, because you're on the yeah. home side, but two, like you're going to be in the shade early. Third base is brutal. Yes, and that that was kind of where I thought because when I went to buy tickets online, that was the only GA section that highlighted, and I thought, oh, man, did they move that this year? Am am I about to – so I was decked out in long sleeve and my big cowboy hat and all that. I was ready, but luckily didn't need it. But what I was going to talk about is bring up – now, the food, it's no secret for those of you who frequent Dan Law, the – Food at the right field, not right field. Well, I guess the first base right side. field, first base side. That's where you go. Mm-hmm. It's a better bathrooms too. Um, so anyway, the the ones behind there. home plate are fine. Right field, first yeah. base is better. That's where you go. I've been kind of trying to watch what I eat as far as lactose intake, dairy intake, all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, I'm just going to go good old plain hot dog, put mustard on it. We'll do that. There you go. So I got the gourmet hot dog. Seven bucks. Okay, fine. Ooh, for a hot dog? I know. But it's the gourmet one. It's not like the... It's not like the $3 fan favorite one. It's the gourmet one. So it's a a slightly bigger hot dog. It's It's a bigger Frank. It was actually grilled. You could tell it was grilled. No issue with the Frank at all. That was great. I did take issue with the bun. The ratio was way off. Like that, it was almost like a hoagie or something. Like you mm. just couldn't. It was it was the, the bun to meat ratio was as is four to one. I don't that so I tried to I tried to come up with something on the fly. I couldn't. But that was my only complaint. Everything else was great. It was even a good quality hot dog. It was just like, oh, okay, guys, y'all got it. Y'all got to get these bun, this bun thing happening. Maybe the maybe the yeast was just overactive. I don't know. I'm not a baker, not a bowler. Hey, been walking, been been watching Peaky Blinders though. Speaking of uh, of of stadium foods, we we do need to like work out possibly a 23 personnel trip to the the Metroplex. Go see the the Rangers play and just really. It's we'd be buying admission to then go eat all day. 
or for a weekend because <laughs> it may take us a weekend to do what we we would need a designated driver. Even it, we, it, if whether we drank an, out, uh, an ounce of alcohol or not, we'd need a designated driver home from the stadium. Like, oh my god, I ate half of the Boom Burger. Yeah, uh, oh, that pizza, that pizza dog sitting heavy, man. <laughs> Take some Pepsi with you to the ballpark. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, that well, that's, I, that's something that I would love to figure out how to do is, is just get get to a baseball game, a Rangers game, uh, and just like, not like all like not the all you can eat seats. Cause that, that food's not really like, it's going to be like your, your nachos and your, your game day hot dogs. Mm-hmm. But like to go to the concession stands and get like, not, not a boom burger. That's, that's, that's too much. Unless we're going with like a group of guys that can split it, but like the pizza dog or the, the hot Cheeto pretzel or, um, that brisket, brisket br- croissant, baby, the, the, the brisket croissant or the brisket beardia tacos that we saw. Oh my God. I, I sent it to you, right? Did you mean Berea? The brisket Berea tacos. Some of them, uh, some embryo tacos. Yeah, they're, well, they're, I like that. Anyways, there's that. I'm I'm sure Aaron at Rahino has has had so many um, suggestions, but like, dude, if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna take some barbecue and like branch out, like if you're not doing brisket beauty tacos, you you should Ooh. consider it. Because they, they they do fantastic brisket burgers too, and they've got those uh, Texas Twinkies. Like they're there there's there's room there for some. I know barbecue adjacent foods to really the gauchos. The gauchos made a run on Saturday before the game, and I really wish I. Would've, it's would've hard been able though because it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, two hour. Well, round and the trip. queen bees, my queen, queen bees were playing bees at noon. Playing. My bad. There you go. So that was that was what that was what held me up, and I. Okay, I know we're going way long. Quick update on the queen bees. We won like 13 to three. Wow. These girls are kicking butt this year. Love it. Way to go. E. And yeah. And um, my little one, I, I've, I think we've talked about it before. She truly has a knack for defense. At first, I thought she was just kind of avoiding the ball. But she really just kind of rolls naturally to defend the goal. Cause they're still playing four on four. They're not, they don't have actual goalies. Mm-hmm. And and then the coach is finally just like picked up. Not finally. He, he's a great coach. I, I don't mean this in any way. He's, he's just seeing that that's kind of how she's wired anyway. And so he's coaching her to stay back and she'll stay, but she blocked like four or five goals the other day. Spencer. There you go. She was, she was the Berlin wall back there is what <laughs> someone said. <laughs> like, so, so it's, it's fun. Cause Cause she won't, she's not aggressive in the nature of like, okay, well I'm going to get there and kick the ball and make a goal. But she's like, oh, well you're not going to score over here. We're going to figure this out. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to stop these. So I love that. So hopefully that'll keep going. Um, I, I had one last thing. Just, uh, but before we get off sports real quick, I, I want to okay. talk, talk about my son real quick. Hayden, my, yes. my middle child now, my, my youngest son. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have a middle child now. <laughs> he's two and a half. He's a monster child. And I say that like with all the love in the world. Um, he has a couple of cousins. One just turned five. They are the same size. <laughs> he is wearing at two and a half pants that Grayson wore to baseball practice when he was four, four and a half, whatever <laughs> it was when he was started playing baseball. Um, Get this so man a scholarship. This, t- <laughs> this dude's going to be massive. He already is. Uh, we're looking at like I'm I'm like just biding my time until he's 
old enough and actually eligible to play in these baseball leagues. So I would love for him to play baseball. He, we may start him off in soccer. Um, but like dude's got an arm, like he throws things every day. We're like, Oh, don't throw. Oh, okay. We got lucky. Nothing broke on that one. <laughs> soccer may have to be like his first four into, into, into like some sports to get him running around and let, let some aggression out on, on, on some of the kids. The others. Cause I, I, I tell you, man, if he stays on this track, he's going to, he's, he's, monster like i said he's already the same size as like his five-year-old cousins uh and wearing things that grayson who was a tall kid for his age was wearing two mm-hmm. years his his older elder whatever how you ever say that but hayden is a big dude anyways all right let's wrap this up it's the last thing you got <laughs> last thing food i right? just wanted to see more food yes i wanted to see if there is any did i say there doesn't matter. Up and her. We're all friends. Yeah, it's a safe space. Oh, it's eleven twenty. Um, so there's this new. It's new to me anyway. And I wanted to see if you had any new Easter candy you discovered this year. The one that I've discovered, which who knows, it may have been around for a decade now. But lemon crisp Kit Kats. So that's new to me too. I don't. I don't usually venture out on candy. Like I. Like e- even for like the seasonal stuff, I, I go back to like the one I'm 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 like the Easter egg Reese's or the well in, like the the Cadbury yeah. eggs or whatever. Well, in my little one's Easter basket from one of a one of our family members, it included, you know, it was like a bag. They, they were the individually wrapped little mini Kit Kats, mm-hmm. and they were all different color wrappers, and you know, I never really noticed, but my wife unwrapped one, and it was. Um, crisp wafers and lemon flavored cream. It's delicious. That sounds fantastic. I'm I'm a I'm a citrus fan, so that just sounds great. Uh, yeah. Oh, it hits, man. Those it that, slaps. I had. Yes, it. it I would. I would dare. I would dare to say it slaps. No cap. For real. For real. For real. For real. It's bussin' bussin'. Bussin' bussin'. <laughs> I mean, it's not as good as Berea. If they had a Berea Kit Kat. No. By God. Uh, one last thing. I, I probably said that okay. so many times. Uh, I feel like this is the the final thoughts bit that uh, the others taking the planes uh, podcast have gotten onto. We just haven't said it yet. Um, I had a a TikTok food come up, and I was like, I'm going to try that. It was a uh, one of the Arby's melts knockoff sandwiches, where you okay. you take some roast beef and you warm it up with a little bit of uh, beef broth. Go on. So you warm it up a little bit, uh, and then you put on because they sell it in the stores now. You can buy bottles of this stuff. Where the where you get the horsey sauce or the A one sauce, not the A one, the RB sauce. RB sauce, yeah. That's, you put this on a bun, <laughs> and then they they use like a like a like a nacho cheese type, like you canned some kind of cheese sauce to put on it. You made a um, beef and cheddar. So yeah, so I, I I made a beef and cheddar. I I I got the RB sauce. I I prefer prefer that to the the horsey sauce. And I would always put that on the on these anyways. And I didn't want to make a cheese sauce. So I just used good old American cheese. And it was like, mm. oh, man. It's pretty good. Now, Samantha, not a fan of Arby's. Not a fan. Like, I made this. She's like, what is that? What'd you did make? You get, did so she's did like, you get the onion the onion bun? No, no. I, I got one of those. I don't, I don't know if it's the brand. Uh, the artisanal sausage rolls. So it was more of a hoagie roll than an actual oh, bun. Dang, so, Spencer, that sounds really good. <laughs> like I, I made it. I was like, Samantha, I know like you don't like roast beef and like uh, you don't like Arby's, but you want to try this. She's like, 
well, yeah. And so she, she had a couple bites of it. Like, that's really good. And we, 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 we picked up our grocery order. And I, I got more, um, more roast beef. She's like, good. Cause I want to make one of those sandwiches tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, dear, we'll do that. So, uh, yeah, really. I mean, it's like, it's not an Arby's beef melt or whatever they call it, but it's, uh, it's close. Like, with the sauce and roast beef, like it's pretty close. You so, got to come up with a name for it. It wasn't mine. To, like I didn't create it. I just it's a knockoff. Well, from, you, you, knockoff you, you did your spin of it though. You didn't do the same cheese. You didn't. You had a different bun. This is this is unique to you. Well, okay. We'll think about it then. Okay. Final thoughts, Michael. Uh, no. Oh, I had thought I wouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. I, See, I do, like, well, I did you, think of one thing. You, you, you were complaining about like how late it was and we've gone an hour 50. I was like, I'm looking at the fine. clock. I'm like, I've got like an hour and a half before I get my first sleep in tonight. So I know, I know I shouldn't be it's, complaining. It's about not that late for me, but I was like, I realized it's late for you. I, I should be, I should be more <laughs> aware of that now. I do remember. Okay. The, I really didn't like onions as a kid. And I remember getting a beef mm-hmm. and cheddar one time and you know how they have the onions baked into the top bun. Mm-hmm. Did you pick them off? I picked them off. It took forever, Spencer. They're like little slivers, aren't they? Like little tiny It was so dumb. It was so dumb. The the other reason I didn't like it is because because they're kind of exposed on the bun, they were a little burned. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, for two for me. I didn't want burned things. Yeah. And I didn't want onions. And I was like, ugh. ugh." So I just picked, it was like a white top bun by the time I was done. I I think I only did that once. And then, and then I grew up. Or I just got a ham and Swiss, like. <laughs> well, we always ham and Swiss, some potato cakes. Call it a day. Whenever we went to Arby's, it was because we were just we were enjoying the five for five deal, and that was not something oh. that was long lived because it was like then five for five fifty five, then it was like three for five. Um, <laughs> and and when when I was growing, we didn't eat out a lot, uh, and yeah. Arby's was not on our the top of our list. But when it was like we we got we got a mess of those roast beef melt sandwiches, whatever they're called. Um, so I was, I was kind of excited to try it. So, but I, I, I also not, not an onion fan. I, I would you know, only eat them now if they're like well cooked and softened and caramelized. Um, but I, I never, Oh, picked, I'm good. I never picked the onions off, <laughs> off the bun. Oh yeah. That was so dumb. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for us on the 23 personnel podcast. Uh, nearly two hours in the night. Well, that's fine. Everybody needs a little bit of, uh, entertainment right got yard work going on or you're building a shed out there like i am taking days off for the wind um basketball super excited about the direction so far with grandma caslin want to see the staff the recruits uh, baseball coming up love that but for michael i'm spencer we'll catch you guys next time Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.